Welcome to The Investment Lawyer Speaks, a podcast by the Zemanski Law Firm, founded by Jake Zemanski, one of the top security lawyers in the country. Listen along as we shed light on investment scams, negligence, and share how you can recover your investment losses. Welcome to The Investment Lawyer Speaks, a podcast produced by the Zemanski Law Firm. I'm Nancy Rapp from PaperStreet.com, and I'm speaking with the founder of Zemanski Law Firm, Jake Zemanski. Jake is one of the preeminent lawyers in the country for securities frauds matters and FINRA arbitration. The law firm represents individual and institutional clients in cases against Wall Street firms for investment fraud losses. Today, we're discussing a topic that's no stranger to the news, cryptocurrency. The media information is more negative than positive with this investment option. And Jake will help us understand some of the potential issues and legal options. Good morning, Jake. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us again. Very good. Thank you. Jake, let's dive right into that. Many investors may not fully understand how cryptocurrency works and its connection to Bitcoin. Let's start with a brief overview. Could you provide us with some quick insights? Sure. Cryptocurrency is a digital currency, which is designed to work as a medium of exchange through a computer network. It's not connected to any central authority like a government or bank. Many people also use this as an investment, hoping it goes up in value like a stock. The the two most popular coins are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, I just want to mention a few of the key terms uh, regarding this space. We have blockchain. Blockchain is a computer ledger that keeps track of all transactions held by a currency holder. Uh, mining. Uh, they use the term mining like mining coal or gold. Um, uh, mining is the use of large computers using uh, a lot of electric power to mine or generate coins. Uh, just a couple other items. Wallets. Uh, just like you have a wallet in your pocket for your money, uh, there's a software-based cloud service wallet that's used to hold cryptocurrency. And lastly, exchanges. Uh, when you buy a stock, it's on the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. Well, here we have crypto exchanges where crypto is bought, sold, or held. Uh, some of the most prominent ones, which we'll talk about, are FTX, Genesis, and Coinbase. Now, with this cryptocurrency, what is its appeal to investors? Well, what investors look for is, that, you know, the, the idea was you don't want to go through a bank or, or uh, the Federal Reserve if, if I want to send money to you, I can send it directly. I can send my crypto to you. You can send it to me. You can pay your bills. So a lot of people want to use that to, um, you know, to transact money without the fees and intermediaries. Now, some of the problems are that, you know, money laundering, terrorists also use uh, cryptocurrency. Um, and And like I say, a lot of people want to buy it. At one point, it went up tremendously in value. Uh, it, it simply went down, but a lot of people use it as an investment. Now, it seems like there seems to have been more negative than a positive with all these types of investment. What are some of the kinds of cryptocurrency claims that your firm has seen a lot of? Let me first say that crypto is not regulated by the Securities Exchange Commission or the Commodities Futures Trading uh, Commission, like a stock or a commodity would be. And a lot of people have compared it to the Wild West. Anything goes. Um, there are some very serious risks that people need to understand. First of all, it's not insured. There's no FDIC like there is on bank deposits. It's hard to convert the tangible currency like U.S. dollars or euros. 
Um, and, and your crypto can be hacked, as we've seen many times. It's an intangible technical you know, technical asset, which is hard to recover. Um, so what have we seen? We've seen situations where uh, people have had their accounts hacked. Somebody comes in and just literally steals from your wallet. Um, we've had we've had people that have tried to sell uh, Bitcoin on an exchange and their accounts have been frozen. Um, so you, you can't you can't sell it. You can't take it out. Um uh, sometimes they bought coins that no longer trade. Um, and we've also seen tremendous volatility. In the case of Bitcoin, you know, it started trading a couple of years ago at ten or twenty twenty thousand dollars a coin. It went up to over sixty thousand and it's down to about twenty thousand. So we've seen a lot of volatility, but the biggest problems I've seen were hacks and people not being able to access their accounts. Understood. And I suppose a lot of a loss of regulation from the SEC and such like that really is a big factor with that. That's that's right. Nobody's watching the store. There's proposals in Congress and the SEC, but that takes time. So people have to get their arms around where they stand right now. Now, let's talk about one of the biggest cases that you've already alluded to that's everywhere in the media. Let's talk about Samuel Bankman Fried of STX. Can you tell us about that case and what went wrong? Sure. FTX was one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. They had over a million customers. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, they call him SBF, uh, was a 30-year-old, uh, uh, you know, bright young man. He was the founder and CEO and was located in the Bahamas. Um, in November of 2022, the FTX ex- exchange was shut down. It co- a $35 billion um, empire essentially collapsed and filed for bankruptcy. There are both criminal and civil investigations. SBF was arrested and charged with securities and wire fraud, as was his girlfriend, Karen Ellison, who's since pled guilty. She was uh, the number two person in the company. Um, SBF is charged with misappropriating billions of dollars of customer funds. This is one of the big problems that we see in the crypto space. Uh, he apparently was commingling customer funds with his own hedge fund, which was called Alameda Research, which also filed for bankruptcy. Um, so we have uh, customer funds from a million people that are supposed to be segregated into accounts. And he's essentially using their money or loaning their mo- his money to his own company, uh, which violates an agreement that he had with customers. Um, so. This this guy, SBF, could face decades in prison. There's billions of liabilities to customers and a bunch of other lawsuits that have sprung up. Now, explain the collapse a little bit more. Obviously, we can see the fraudulent elements, or at least many of your listeners probably understand the fraud. But how does a company like that collapse? What what happens? What goes wrong? Well, when anybody loses faith in uh, the validity of an exchange, um, everybody tries to pull their money out. It's like a run on the bank. Um, so, you know, if you had an account at, at J.P. Morgan Chase and there were problems and, and millions of people tried to pull their money out, um, that, a bank could collapse. We saw that in the 1920s uh, with banks. Um, so there was news about uh, F- FTX and problems it had and SBF, and everybody tried to get their money out. Uh, it turned out the money wasn't there. Um, the the regulators started looking at it, both in the Bahamas and in the States. 
and um, no one could do any business with FTX. They were they were trying to have themselves acquired by another firm, and it all just fell apart like a house of cards. Now, there was something with brand ambassadors with FTX, and I think that people may have noticed that in the media, there are celebrities like Tom Brady, Steve Curry, and a bunch of others that were connected to the FTX and the collapse. How, how were those celebrities involved? Okay, so um, celebrities like Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen, Seth Curry, the basketball player, and Larry David, the comedian, um, were on commercials endorsing um, FTX as a, quote, safe and secure uh, currency to their millions of followers. Uh, when people see Tom Brady, a lot of people identify he's used in other commercials uh, for for food and, 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 and soft drink products. But the difference between those products and a financial uh, instrument is if, if you're endorsing a financial instrument like an FTX, um, you have a responsibility, according to these lawsuits that have been brought, to do due diligence and to make sure you understand it, because um, it's not just like a Subway sandwich. You're telling people that it's safe, that they can invest their, their life savings, their hard-earned money into this. So there are class actions against all of these individuals and I believe that there could be substantial liability for the endorsers or influencers who were peddling this. I, there was one case where Kim Kardashian had to pay um, over a million dollars for something she said regarding a crypto investment. So this is a whole new area of law is um, endorsers uh, who or could be held liable uh, to FTX investors. Yeah, because I suppose you have to wonder, did they know about the scams going on? And then even if they didn't, could there perhaps have been negligence in not researching the companies further? Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the problem. Uh, it's unlikely that they knew about this. Um, the question is, should they have had people looking at the company before they put their name behind it? That, that'll be a big issue. Uh, you even had people like President Bill Clinton and former um Prime Minister of, of, of the UK, Tony Blair, were on a conference with SBF, you know, lending tremendous credibility to him when you see a former US president there. Um, so there are a whole bunch of questions. Uh, but I think one thing it's going to do is make these endorsers think twice before they endorse something like a financial product. Uh, again, to, uh, to endorse Gatorade or a Subway sandwich, um, you know, there's probably a lower standard of responsibility, but not so here. So uh, I think you're going to see some pretty interesting cases and other people that are endorsing crypto uh, also could be held responsible. Very interesting. It's a whole new branch of law then connected to all of this. That's for sure. Now, when we talked about companies collapsing, but we've also seen some cryptocurrency companies going bankrupt. Um, Genesis and Gemini were some of the most recent. What do investors need to know if the company they're investing with, with cryptocurrency, has gone bankrupt? Okay, well, bankruptcy now is one of the biggest risks that crypto customers are facing. You mentioned FTX, Gemini. There's also a company called BlockFi uh, that filed for bankruptcy. Um, so... Once there's a bankruptcy, uh, the court uh, gets involved, a specific bankruptcy court, to marshal all the assets and have an orderly distribution. Um, and, and it's very frustrating to customers uh, in the crypto space when, when one of their exchanges files for bankruptcy. Um, so, for example, customers will not have access to deposits while a bankruptcy 
court sorts out uh, what's going on. Um, uh, here's what the, what customers should be doing. There's a claims process. They should definitely contact the claim agent and get involved in the claim process. Usually it's on the website. Um, there's a separate website set up by the bankruptcy court for FTX and Gemini. Look at the claims process. It's crucial that customers document what they had on deposit and what it was worth. So if you had FTX in November of 2022, uh, you need to look at statements and records to show, you know, I had half a million dollars of Bitcoin. What was Bitcoin trading at the time uh, to establish uh, your value when you submit your claim? Um, There's a form uh, online, for example, in the FTX bankruptcy that you should get in there and fill out, just like in any other bankruptcy. If you have a stock um, like Enron that goes bankrupt, you have to file a claim. Um, So that's what you need to do here. Importantly, you need to follow the bankruptcy case for developments. There's going to be a lot of different developments coming out, um, and there's a website for the bankruptcy court. Um, You should follow what's going on, um, and again, keep involved in the claim process. You also might be looking for another exchange uh, if you can get some of your money out. Um, A couple that are still around are Coinbase, uh, which is a leading exchange for buying and storing um, crypto, and Robinhood, which also trades stocks, is another option. Now, when you were talking about monitoring bankruptcy and filing the claim and things like that, do lawyers get involved with this or is this really up to the investor? Well, lawyers get involved. Um, they're bankruptcy lawyers, they're class actions. Um, you know, it's it's expensive to hire your own lawyer for something like this. Uh, most people who trade crypto are somewhat technical, technologically savvy. Um, so they should start by doing their own research. Uh, they also should see you know, what class action lawsuits are filed um, so that they can get involved in those if there's recoveries there. But you got to do your own homework in this particular situation. Now, Jake, you had mentioned another major issue with cryptocurrency was hacked wallets. Could you discuss these situations, the legal, ram- legal ramifications and what investors need to know about this situation? Sure. Hacking has occurred throughout the crypto space. It- it's a real risk that industry and customers are grappling with. And the industry is looking for a response. Um, Again, it's important to keep accurate and meticulous records of what you hold. Um, You could be hacked at any time. Uh, If if your bank account is hacked at at J.P. Morgan Chase, um, there's a very strong chance you're going to get your money back, that they'll be able to trace the funds because it's a bank. Not so with with crypto. Most hacks go unresolved. There's obviously criminals involved. Um, it's hard to chase them. Many of them are overseas in, in countries that are not friendly to the U.S. Um, so what happens in a hack? When you look at your customer agreement that you have with an FTX uh, uh, or, or some of the others, they disclaim liability in many cases. In other words, they say we're not responsible if there's a hack. Now, that's just the starting point. It's not the end point. Um, I'll give you an example of a case that we looked at this past year. Um, a company called IRA Financial um, was soliciting people to invest their IRA in crypto. Um, they had a relationship with Gemini that's now bankrupt, uh, and that's where it was traded. I- IRA wasn't an exchange. They were just uh, a- an introducing broker that gathered assets. Well, there was a hack of $36 million of customer funds. 
And I got calls from numerous investors. And I looked at the agreements that investors signed. First, the IRA agreement, IRA financial, had an arbitration clause. You couldn't go to court. You had to go to arbitration. And get this, of all places, you had to go to South Dakota, uh, where the company was located. Now, you know, somebody's in New York or California, you don't really want to go to South Dakota, but that's where you had to arbitrate. Um, Gemini had a different arbitration agreement that, that it could be located at a different place on a different arbitration forum. But what's even worse is both companies were pointing fingers at each other. IRA said they're not responsible for the hack. Talk to Gemini. Gemini said the, sa- the opposite. Look at IRA. You dealt with them. So it's really a, uh, investors that really have a quandary here. Um, you need to prove, you, you know, if you bring a case like this, that the exchange or the company did not have reasonable processes in place to protect against a hack. That's not easy to prove. Um, so this is a tough challenge for industry and customers. Now, is this a separate area that maybe new laws and regulations will stem from? Because right now, obviously, you have mentioned that crypto is not regulated by the SEC. Could the hacking come into a new area of law, like you have to have a certain amount of reasonable protection? Or is that even still undefined at this point? Well, that's something that also needs to be addressed. I mean, banks uh, have responsibility and even companies. There was a, a big hack of an oil pipeline a year or so ago. Uh, you know, during a, a winter heating season. So when you have a regulated industry like oil companies or um, banks, you, you know, there are certain requirements uh, that you have to have certain firewalls against uh, hacking and you have to have insurance in, in many cases. Um, that's not happened yet in crypto. So, yeah, it's a, it's a new area that that's that's ripe for regulation and for the industry to succeed, you know, this was a, a trillion dollar industry, which is under fire from all circles now. If they want to succeed and keep their customers, they're going to have to have reasonable procedures. They're going to have to have transparency uh, and they're going to have to give people confidence that if they, you put your life savings in a crypto account, you're not going to be hacked and lose everything. It's a frightening thought. It sure is. Now, you also mentioned crypto accounts being frozen. Does that follow into the same elements as a hack and things like that? Is it the same conundrum? You just can't access your money and you have to prove where you stood? Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, in the situation I described before where there's a run on the bank, everybody's trying to get their money out. Um, these crypto exchanges have frozen withdrawals. Um, so, uh, you know, you have to uh, be able to show at some point um, what did I have and what was it worth? Um, so that, yeah, absolutely. If there's a, a freeze, you have to stay on top of your crypto exchange and you have to keep your records. Are freezes included in a lot of the cryptocurrency agreements or is this something that's kind of just going rogue? Uh, it's kind of a rogue situation. Um, it, it's, it's not something that's really contemplated. Um, uh, you know, it's supposed to be a free flowing exchange, but it's, it's a, it's a real risk that people have to look at. Um, So again, that'll be the subject of additional lawsuits. Now, we've talked about these cryptocurrency lawsuits, and it seems like each case has different elements and different uh, situations that are involved, whether it's uh, company security or what they're allowed to do and things like that. Um, But what about just the damages and all of that? Do investors expect the same amount of like compensation and things like that that they would in other investment fraud cases? Are there damages? Are there punitive damages? 
Do investors see anything from these cryptocurrency cases or is it just a question of getting their money back? Um, This is, as I say, a new area. The cases are just being filed. Not a whole lot of law is developed yet. Um, There are class actions against exchanges for disruption of services and hacks. I mentioned arbitration by individual customers against their exchange when there's a problem. There are all these bankruptcy proceedings and the claim process. Um, So uh, the courts will will be deciding on a case-by-case basis, uh, and it'll be an evolution of of liability for crypto exchange and uh, exchanges and, and other sellers um, so it, it's a whole new space. We'll be putting out things on our website as new developments come up on Zemansky.com if investors want to keep in touch with us. As you de- said, it does seem like a little bit of the Wild West for the legal world. It, it sure is. And like I say, it's developing. I mean, look, there are rules that pertain to banks. And when you give custody of assets to somebody um, and maybe the courts will look at some of those cases. Um, but um we're talking about a whole new technology of, uh, uh, you know, having your uh, uh, cryptocurrency um, in, in an exchange just online created by a blockchain. Um, so there's going to be, you know, tremendous amount of litigation and, and people trying to keep records from the blockchain and their own records. Um, so you got to be careful. This is a very, very risky space. Yeah, even if somebody has not been persuaded by all the potential pitfalls that we've discussed so far, what can investors do to stay safe with crypto? Is there anything that they can do to to try to make the most of the situation at this point? Well, uh, I I hope that we're we're showing investors that you have to be aware of these risks. Hacks, shutdowns, bankruptcy. You have to keep meticulous records of your holdings and what they're worth. But most importantly, you have to limit the investment that you have to a small amount of your net worth. A lot of people, particularly younger people, are putting too much of their hard-earned money or savings into crypto, hoping it'll zoom up in value as it once did. That may not happen again. It may not happen for a long time. So you have to have a very small percentage um, of your money in a crypto uh, currency. Otherwise, you could be in real trouble. Uh, if you had, you know, 30, 50 percent of your money or more, I, I've, I've had horror stories of people having all their money in crypto, you know, believing in the space. Well, you should never do that. So be, keep it very small until we get more confidence in the space. Do you anticipate? I mean, of course, this is just your own uh, thoughts here. But do you anticipate that the SEC will ever step in and start to regulate crypto? Or does it seem like the hands-off approach will be here for a long time to come? I think the SEC will come in. Uh, there's a question of whether crypto is a, quote, security, uh, which is what the SEC regulates. Is it a security? Is it a commodity? Is it something else? Um, there's a lot of pressure, political pressure and, and economic pressure. Again, this is over a trillion dollar industry for there to be regulation. Congress is going to get involved. There are different factions there. Um, I think it's coming, but it's going to take a long time and it's going to evolve. This is not something they're going to jump in and deal with right away. There are other economic problems that Congress and the SEC are dealing with, but it's certainly something that's on their radar screen. And I think it will eventually happen. All right, Jake. Well, you've certainly given investors a lot to think about. So thank you again for shedding some insight onto this mysterious investment option of cryptocurrency. And thank you to our listeners for listening to the second episode of the Investment for a Lawyer Speaks. 
Jake will be here next time to give you more investment tips and security fraud warnings and how to handle your legal situation. If you have any further questions, you can always visit Jake's website, Samansky.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to The Investment Lawyer Speaks, a podcast by the Zamansky Law Firm. Please subscribe, rate, and share.